What's going on guys and Taste Trophy Kids, we got an awesome show for you. We're talking about the big Woj bomb that was dropped on Thursday, Miami versus Lakers and how that's going. Not good. We're talking a little college football roundup. We're giving out our card. Tim actually has a card this week. We'll see how me and him stack up. It's a good one. Let's go. And welcome to Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is October 2nd and a Woj bomb is dropping in the beginning of October. Breaking today, just before we got on to record this pod, Doc Rivers is the new coach of the 76ers, which, by the way, uh, the reason you come to Trophy Kids is, one, because we just instinctually know things. We're, we're in the know. We might not be in yep. the know, but we know <laughs> the know. We said, not that long ago, we sat here and said, Doc is going to be out of L.A. in the Clippers. That, like, can't sustain. He's out. Gets a new job right away. Or not the Sixers. The Clippers, sorry. Gets a new job with the Sixers now. How are we feeling now that we've digested this news a little bit today? I mean, there were a lot of hot takes about Doc, but I've, you know, I feel like there's no way that he was going to stay out of coaching very long. I think the longest he would have stayed out was probably, uh, you know, until 2021. Uh, but, you know, I guess Elton Brand had to make that move and <laughs> go ahead and secure Doc. Um, Doc Rivers ha- only has one championship, right, with Boston? Correct. Yeah, which, God love him. I love my Celtics, but no group of individuals has milked a championship harder <laughs> than that group of Celtics. And I love him. Paul Pierce, the truth, he is the truth. I mean, the man got stabbed 11 times and still played a full NBA season. He did. Um, won a championship, heart of a lion, didn't have a lot going for him most of his time with the organization. So, like... I would be milking it too, but no, no group from coaches to front office staff to players has milked a championship. I think harder than those Boston Celtics. And God love, I love every one of them. And the Celtics are going to soon, like if the Lakers win this championship, then the the Lakers tie the Celtics for the most uh, NBA championship. So I don't know. I don't know why we're using the word will, which we'll get into when they win, but um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not thrilled. Um, like I said last week, I'm not having fun. Like this isn't, I'm not having fun with this postseason anymore. Um, yeah. it's, I want to know what happened between negotiations between the Sixers and Mike D'Antoni. Like how did that fall through? I'm sure they looked at him and like, well, D'Antoni is Thinks he's a smart guy, but those teams collapse in a hot second. And Doc's got at least a little bit more of a pedigree. And I think one statement I, I would like to clear up, because we, we did give Doc a lot of crap. He's still, a like, a in the out of all the coaches, like, he's still good. Like, that. Yeah. Well, that's not what we're trying to say here. But he's held to this kind of, like, upper echelon of coaches. And he's just, like, he's not that. He's not a Greg Popovich. He's not, like, one of these I wouldn't consider, like, all-time great basketball coaches but he's a very good coach so for an organization that doesn't want to start completely over which the Sixers don't want to start completely over um or at least I assume they don't like Doc is sort of a natural fit because he is technically he is a not technically he is a proven winner um he knows how to manage somewhat like big personalities Mm -hmm. um but I don't I don't know if he's gonna be the guy that gets the Sixers over the perennial hump that they're kind of stuck in I will say this, the team that the Sixers have with Embiid and with uh, Ben Simmons and, uh, you know, I I think that this is similar for 
him when he first got to the Clippers with uh, with uh, the team with DeAndre Jordan and uh, Blake Griffin and yeah, I think this is similar, even similar to Boston throwing everything out and grabbing all the vets. Yeah. Um, to win, secure that championship. I do think this is a similar situation, a situation that makes more sense for Doc Rivers than the LA, the 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 path that the Clippers tried to take, which I still will argue was a path to just beat the Lakers, and they didn't think beyond that. Yeah, I I would agree with All that. Right. They built that team for the Lakers. Sorry, Tim, go ahead. I was just gonna say I could see that. That was pretty much it. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this: the Sixers are automatically better. I think yes. then when the season ended, adding Doc as a piece automatically makes them a more, I think, in my opinion, a more competitive team next year. But does it take them fully out of neutral, which they're kind of in, and compete with the Miami Heat next year, the Boston Celtics next year, like the teams coming out of the West? I don't know if it pushes them because they have deeper problems than coaching alone. Like the yeah. fact that Ben Simmons can't shoot a jump shot effectively <laughs> – that's not going to get better with Doc necessarily. Like no. the 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 chemistry of the team, the pieces that are there, they fit a little better. But you're still trying to hammer a, a square peg into a circle. I feel like with a lot of this. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's it's tough. They they get better, but I don't see this taking them to that championship caliber level either. So I mean, it, it's a nice move, but. I think ultimately down the line, it's still going to lead to having to tear this team apart and figure something else out. At least not, maybe not necessarily tear the team apart, um, but at least split it up in pieces to kind of get something else going here. Yeah. It's interesting that, um, so they had Mike D'Antoni, they had Ty Lu, uh interview. I, um, Ty Lue's got to get the Clippers job, right? Maybe they had Kevin Young also interview, who is uh-huh. the Sixers assistant. Yeah, I um, it, it's interesting. I wanted the doc just walk into that job and say like, "I'll coach the Sixers," and the, and they were just like, "Yep, okay, you will." <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I mean, he commands that type of force. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting. I don't know if they're gonna do a. Com- they're they're obviously not gonna do a complete teardown, but at some point, I think they have to decide. All right, we're gonna have one star, either Ben Simmons or Embiid, and then build the team to yes. that, that structure. And I do think, because you brought up the point, similar to like what the Clippers eventually did, like once you figure out your direction, I think Doc Doc does a good job in helping guide that. Yeah. But to get across the finish line, I don't, I don't know. Um, but there are bigger problems in the NBA, and those problems involve we got we got a problem with the Miami Heat. They are. The NBA Finals kicked off yesterday, and oh man, I don't. I think best hopes you get a gentleman sweep. I don't see a way at this point with the injury bug that's now going on with Miami. Mm-hmm. You lost Drogic to uh, tear in his foot. Mm-hmm. Bam Bam's br- beat up. Butler doubtful for next next yeah. game. Also, oh. sorry, I guess we're kind of all over the place. Where we would like to start, I would like to start with it. Are we not in agreement that it was insane to see Jeremy Butler come back into that game late in that oh, game after he did whatever he did to his foot? Yeah, and they put him back in the game down like I don't know twenty or something. Like the probability of winning that game was like I think the Lakers were at like a ninety-eight point nine percent probability to win, and they're putting Jimmy Butler back in the game after Dude. Bam goes down, 
Drogic goes down, and Jimmy Butler hurts his ankle. Like, what is going on, Eric Spolstra? Well, since since they're in the bubble, do you think the NBA told them they had to put Jimmy Butler in just so that there's a reason to even watch the second watch. game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they're like, they're like, all right, you you got to show that you can, like, field the team for the next game, and yeah. Jimmy Butler has to prove that he's healthy in order for anybody to flip the second game on after that. Yeah. The, the other thing, too, is, like, and I think I brought this up last time is I don't think even with a healthy Miami, I don't think they have a size because even when Miami ran small ball and the Lakers went to small ball too, they still had somebody out there that was seven feet tall. And you just, and for the first time in these series, I watched Anthony Davis stand underneath the basket and bully everyone. Yeah. And I just, I, Almost lost it because I was like, "Why didn't we do this all series long?" Why <laughs> you finally got your wish. <laughs> yeah, he's the best big man when he decides to get his ass down on the block. Um, to Tim's point, yeah, Adam Silver, the little chip he implants, and all the refs and head coaches went off, and in Eric Spolcher's <laughs> mind, he's getting directions to put Jimmy Butler back in. Um, yeah, I mean, the Heat are done. There's no the the competitive edge, and not it's not even an edge. The only thing that made it somewhat potentially competitive is the fact that they have depth especially in the wing and that they have a lot of shooters. So you have a situation where maybe you can shoot yourself into a game or because there are times where LeBron will be off the court, maybe you can take advantage of that or Davis is off the court type of thing. But like, honestly, at this point, all LA has to do is run a bunch of pick and rolls with Anthony Davis and LeBron because whoever switches on LeBron is a mismatch. And if they don't switch, you got Anthony Davis coming down the lane to diff off to him and he's too tall to prevent it. Like this is, I don't think, I don't think even Miami might even get a game. The other thing that happened in this game that I don't think has happened in other games for the Lakers is their everyone on their bench basically stepped up in this game. And oh, if the, that happens, I don't know if you can beat them. Not, I don't, you know, um, they said that they didn't have a third person, like it just switches. But this game, every every person off the bench became a third per, a third scorer. Yeah, how much do you think plays into the fact that, like, because so far in this series, I think the Lakers have dropped the first game in each yep. series. Um, how much of this do you think, like, LeBron and Anthony see the finish line and just want to go the fuck home, and they're just over this and, like, screw it. Every game, we're just going to bust out balling. I think and- that's 100% <laughs> a factor, especially for the players who are like, I can get a championship here. Like, yeah. and it's, it's just three games away. Let's do this. I'm with you. We might see a sweep. Yeah, like, <laughs> Maybe a gentleman's if, like, yeah. I think the Lakers are going to have to have a historically bad shooting night in the Miami to have a great shooting night for them even to get a game, like a singular game <laughs> or make it close, I guess. Because, yeah, I don't see a way, um, which I guess leads to how do we view the NBA playoffs and championships? Scottie Pippen is going to be the kind of baseline we assess this off because he's out here just making some very wild wild takes and honestly just disrespectful to the NBA as a whole um, and what the players are going through. So uh, Scotty Pippen, who I do enjoy, uh, came out this week and he said, well, I'm about the NBA and how this championship should be viewed. Well, I'm going to be honest. It's not the NBA. It's not NBA basketball. It's not the hard grind. It's not the travel. It's not the fans. It's not the distractions. Really to me, it's pickup basketball. It's going to the gym. Yeah. You're already got your team. You're all practicing together but it's more of a pickup type of basketball because there's no fan, no fans in the stands. There's no 
So there's no distractions. There's no real noise. There's no pressure on the players, you know. And then he goes on to diss Rondo. Um, yeah. This is so disrespectful. What? There's so much here to pick apart. But the fact that he's trying to make it like there's no di- like distractions or grind. These dudes have been locked away in Disney World for how long now? Months? Like That alone is a mental gymnastics to try to get through like this is absurd and it's definitely not playoff basketball last time i checked the nuggets weren't playing playoff basketball they were playing phenomenal basketball miami heat weren't playing playoff basketball they're playing lights out basketball on the eastern side like this is just so insane to say but how do we i guess we view the championship in that comment alone well first first i would say they're not like locked in disney world nate they're locked in a hotel room with a basketball court in it (laughs) 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 so (laughs) they're not in the traditional disney world in and of itself but it has been incredible basketball to watch i mean it's been exciting watching denver take over it was exciting at the beginning watching uh damian lillard and cj mccollum take over like all of the basketball throughout this bubble has been fun to watch yeah i i completely agree i (laughs) to step into his uh um comments about rondo and just like rondo wouldn't be playing like this if he was in a um arena and he couldn't see the basket and i was just like what it's like rondo is hitting more threes than he he's ever hit in his life i was like what is why why are we attacking rondo first and foremost but secondly what does it do but i agree with the sentiment that you're totally disregarding the strain, the mental anguish that these players are going through by being separated from their families, by being in this bubble, by having to perform, you know, night after night and then just going back to nothing. He he talked about like having to go across country and being on the road and spending time in the uh, bus and how that all plays a factor and i agree it does but we don't live in that world right now so it it, it doesn't and i i know that when this is over whether miami wins or the lakers win lebron will lose it doesn't matter (laughs) who who is this he's going to lose because people will say well it's a shortened season and the bubble is easier and and i just this is like tim pointed out this is great basketball i don't know if i've ever seen after getting over that there wasn't a crowd and thank god that we don't have to listen to chris weber uh after (laughs) getting over those two things it the product has been stellar i know that another popular talking point too is that um the ratings have been down for the nba but the ratings have been down for sports in general so it's it's sure you can say it there's down for the nba and there's definitely it's definitely fair but you sports have been the ratings for sports have been down yeah and like you guys both hit it on like the mental aspect of this and how much of a grind it is for these guys. Like Jimmy Butler selling his own coffee in there. Like these guys, <laughs> like it, it doesn't like, it's not the same to me, you guys, cause we're just like regular people, but like these people have like a certain lifestyle that they live. Right. And to be removed and pulled from that, that alone is adjustment. And like, yeah. And him pointing out the fact that there's no fans, there's no, tr- there's no travel. Like you're just going to the gym actually works against this point because, and I said this at the beginning, this is the most neutral playing environment ever there's no outside advantage it's just how good can you show up with nothing else going on and play basketball like it's the most neutral championship that'll ever be won like there's no advantage to being a one seed and traveling maybe a little bit less or getting more games with your home fans and getting that momentum going like it's all perfectly neutral 
Um, so in that spec, it's almost even harder to do. Like, and then on top of the fact that you can't see your families, like you're trapped kind of in this area, you're pulled out of the lifestyle you sort of know, which is an adjustment. Um, and I, nobody's complaining about that. Or like, I'm not saying like you should. Yeah, I'm just saying it's it's tough. Um, and I think it's just so discrediting to what these guys have got to do. And like, I'm not going to hold this game. I'm not putting an asterisk on this championship. Like, no. yeah, there should be context of when we talk about yes. it. But in no way, shape, or form should this be viewed any less on LeBron's part if they win, if Miami somehow pulls off like the miracles of all miracles. Um, if we got like an Angels in the outfield situation going on in uh, Orlando type of deal, um, should be held against them because of yes. this. I'm yeah, excited. Travel. Go ahead, oh, Tim. Sorry. I was going to say, and travel isn't really what it was back in the day either. Like these guys are hopping on private jets, getting sleep therapists and everything like that so they know how to control their sleep on a plane and everything whereas in the bubble like you go down you work out you go back upstairs like what do you do for the next like eight hours of your day yeah exactly like it's it just an absolute mental grind it has to be because what else do you do you can't like go out and do anything you're stuck inside the bubble even now that they're letting a few more like close family members and everything in the bubble, it's still like, what do you do when you're stuck inside a bubble all day? Yeah. They said that the players that were adjusting the best were obviously the rookies because they had just been, you know, if you were in a tournament last year or you've been, you know, places that you've uh, never traveled to before, you just spend your own time with your team and stuff. So they adjusted quicker than the, obviously the vets. The, uh, what I was going to say is, like, I'm excited in 10 years or however long, maybe even five, where we get the last dance version of the NBA bubble. Like, I know that <laughs> that, that 30 is, 30 is about to be awesome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be what if yes. I told you the world <laughs> shut down <laughs> and we decided to play basketball um, at Mickey Mouse's house? Yeah, it's, 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 it was. I was surprised to hear it from Pippen. I'm not super surprised actually when I think about it because he is from that old school and as I'm sure we will do with the next generation of athletes as they come up and we start to get older, like there is that like, oh, our generation was better. We had to do yada, yada, yada. But it just, it felt so disrespectful to the guys who are doing a hard thing and competing at an insane level. Yeah. Um, Jamal Murray was crying after the end of his game. Like this isn't pickup basketball. Like, um, it was just ridiculous, but I guess it's a good segue to what a non-bubble league is doing in the yes. NFL. Cause we have <laughs> our first cases of coronavirus. Honestly, it took longer than I thought. It took a lot longer than I thought. Um, Tennessee Vikings had to shut down Tennessee Titans. If you're not aware of the story, they've had some outbreaks on their team. Somehow the Vikings haven't had any yet, at least not that I've seen, which has then also affected the Steelers this week in the games they're playing. Um, where do we stand on this? Because honestly, this is exactly what I thought was going to happen. I mean, anybody, is... unless you're brain dead, we knew this was going to happen. Um, but it doesn't seem like the NFL is really all that prepared going into, what, week four now? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of exactly what I expected out of the NFL. It's kind of how this season has felt. It's like, uh, 
if you play it, they will come. <laughs> and <laughs> if you hold the games, they will be played. Um, that's not really necessarily the case with this coronavirus. And it kind of shows with the rumors that leaked out on what was going to go, how this game was going to be played, what they were going to do. First, it was the players don't know if they're locked out of the building until Saturday, and then they're going to have to play on Sunday. And then is this game going to be moved to Tuesday night? Now it's being moved to later in the season. Like, it's just they haven't thought any of this stuff through and it's crazy to me, but it's also not surprising at the same time. It's the hubris of the NFL, the machine that the NFL is. Um, I, so two things come to mind. One, how many of the Vikings players were exposed to this? Is it the whole team and the staff? Like, does like cautionarily, do you shut the Vikings down too? Yeah, they did. Uh, they shut their facility down Monday. I don't know if they had it down the rest of the time, but they haven't had anybody test positive as of yet, at least not that I have seen, um, which is crazy because one of the Titans that um, tested positive was a defensive tackle, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, they haven't had anybody as of yet that I've seen. Uh, yeah, but no the- positive tests on Wednesday. Yeah, mm-hmm. there we go. Yes, yeah, so Dr. Alan Seals, the chief medical officer, uh, came out, wrote a policy that said uh, daily testing does not protect anyone during this pandemic and any activity after testing increases the potential for infection, which seems like the biggest duh in the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the NFL, yeah. besides moving the game, um, are they're going to limit the number of players in locker rooms and then try to eliminate hand-to-hand contact and do contact tracing as well. I would like to know how they're going to eliminate hand-to-hand contact because I'm sure, you know, players are touching each other all the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's the NFL is not the most forward-thinking group. We'll say that um, to say the least. Their product sells it itself and as tim said and they don't really think a lot of things through and that's becoming very evident right here because the other thing is is we're we're learning this week where they have no real plan to address this like the season's eventually gonna have to get pushed back at some point because like the titans are not going to be the last team to have an outbreak and the concern going into this this is something we've talked about at length and i think a lot of people who actually thought this through not like the clay travis's of the world who just wanted to push this through no matter what was this idea of like how upfront and honest our team's going to be? Because if I'm correct me if I am wrong here, but I believe a staff member of the Titans tested positive on Saturday before the game. And then as we were talking before the show, a bus driver ended up testing positive. But if a guy tests, if a staff member tests positive on Saturday, it's common sense that he will have been in contact with other people. They're constantly inside. They're constantly around each other. Like the game itself probably shouldn't have been played on Sunday. Um, and they should have been separated and isolated. And we didn't know about this until Monday when players now started testing positive. So, like, this was the fear I assume the Big Ten had and their ADs and other people who were thinking about this from a smart pr- protective level of, like, if we don't catch it right away, it could very easily spread. We're lucky it didn't spread to the Vikings as of yet. But yeah, it spread to know. the Titans as far as we know. So, um I think that was always going to be the fear and that fear is now playing out right in front of our eyes because there's no real plan. Go figure. Yeah, there's no real plan. And I don't understand how there wasn't like an additional bye week built into the season or starting a little earlier, like start in the middle of preseason, have every team have three bye weeks then or something smart. 
Like I mean, they didn't the change the schedule. Like, why at even bother? All. Yeah, why even give them like the three weeks in the preseason? Like it wasn't a preseason, a normal preseason anyway. Cut it an extra week and give that week. Yeah, cut, exactly. So right. according start the games early or something like that, or not start the games necessarily early, but start the games when they sh- should have started preseason and give them an extra couple bye weeks or something like that. But nothing changed. Yeah. So this bus driver that tested positive uh, for the Tennessee Titans, he drove. He drove both the Tennessee Titans, and the Houston Astros. So he drives visiting teams um, in when they're in Minnesota. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that's not good. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> not good. <laughs> Man, yeah. It, and this is what we were talking, we were alluding to. I, I gave out my pick three, or pick two Thursday, pick two Thursday earlier. Um, and I sort of alluded to it, like the game we're about to watch, it's about to kick off here soon because we record on Thursday night and the Broncos and Jets, like terrible game glass in your eyeball type of game but like i gotta soak it in because i don't know i'm a bear at this point i'm just i'm getting ready to hibernate because i don't know when this football season might be shut down but we did get some get some get some positive news in college football the sec is back and that made the world of difference in college football i cannot wait until the big 10 gets back at the end of the month but adding the sec into the rotation i mean saturday was so much better with that a hundred times, a hundred times better. I went from eh, checking out Notre Dame and try and watch college football game here or there to I sat on my couch, got at least two TVs going, was pissed at myself for not having my third TV ready and <laughs> sat there like all day and just watched a bunch of college football. And it was fantastic. Yeah, I think, Nate, that you and I owe Mr. Tim an apology <laughs> for the travesty <laughs> that was LSU. <laughs> on Saturday. So like you guys, I sat on my couch. Well, I didn't sit on my couch. My dogs decided they wanted to watch football. So I played with them and watched football. And then I grabbed my cover and some uh, tea. I just sat there and watched football all day. I do have this problem, and, and this is why you guys have multiple TVs. I oftentimes don't know which game to watch when the marquee game isn't on. And so I'm just yeah. like, I don't know what team to put on here. <laughs> Yep. That's why multiple TVs. I still, so I have three TVs going. I got, I still have the one from my dorm room in freshman year. It's like a small, I don't know how big it is. It's like a, maybe a, not the size of a commute. It's like a 23 inch. Yeah, 21 inch. Then I got one that I bought right out of college. My first big boy purchase. Like when I had a little money in my pocket, I got a bonus for passing um, my Series 7. I work in finance. (laughs) I bought a bigger TV with it. And then just last year, there was like whenever was it? Am- oh, I bought it on Amazon Prime. And then I had to get the third because I had the same. I'm a, one, I'm addicted to football. And two, from a gambling, I got to get a lot of eyes on a lot of games. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it without having three TVs. It would be impossible. Yeah. Yeah. The problem right now is I'm trying to refinish my basement and put the three TV setup down there, but it's not done yet. It's not even really started. Um, so it's getting there. And I was hopeful to have it by the beginning of November. So middle of uh right at the beginning of big 10 season which will be nice to have eventually nice yeah it um it's a must it's a must have during football season but i do owe you apology on mississippi state they like i thought lsu was going to be bad but i didn't think they were going to be mississippi state literally take a dump on their chest bad um (laughs) that was that was a game Uh, (laughs) I'll have to be honest. I did no research on that or anything like that. I 
totally expected Nate to come in, come in and back me up with some stats or something on that. <laughs> and then for both of you guys to just completely shit on me, I just like backed up and like crawled into a hole because I had nothing prepared to refute any of the things you were saying. And then watching that game was incredible. I was, it, it was crazy because you watched Mississippi State almost lose the game like three times. Mm-hmm. And LSU never really had any business being in that game without the mistakes that Mississippi State was making. Yeah, I think that's the part that frustrated me the most about that game is the ineptitude of LSU to not close that game out when they had a chance. And if that's on Coach O, if that's on the offensive coordinators, the D, I don't know, but somebody should be fined for making me watch that because <laughs> I was like all right this is it. I mean we were even texting about it like okay this is probably it like LSU is probably done here like they're gonna put it away and they did not and Mike Leach obviously was like all right well if you're gonna give us another chance here we come <laughs> yeah oh yeah it, I should say what I uh, talk about because it was I mean LSU didn't really have any business being in that game at one point but when I tell saying they took a dump on their chest I'm specifically talking about uh Costello, is that how you pronounce his last name? Kid from Stanford, the quarterback. Cast- yeah, there we go. 623 yards, five touchdowns. That is specifically what I'm talking about. The air raid offense. I mean, in LSU's defense, Here, they did. Yeah, they were, they were missing their best corner and probably the best, maybe arguably the best player on the team. Um, they don't have their number one wide receiver to go to. They have a new quarterback, kind of a new offense because Joe Brady left, even though they split. That was like that, oh, yeah, we split the offense, but not really. It was Joe Brady's offense. Um, but, man, I, I in my head, assumed LSU, the cover wasn't as bare as it was because they have such great recruiting classes. But, who LSU might be really bad this year. <laughs> really bad. And Mississippi they, State's going to be they, really fun to watch in the SEC. They could be good, or they could be bad. But um, one of the things I wanted to say on uh, KJ Costello's 623-yard passing game, a wild stat about that is um, there have been 15 college football players to throw over 600 yards in the history of college football. Uh-huh. Mike Leach has coached seven of them. Well, that's funny that you say that because according to 538, he th- he calls a pass play 69.5% of the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's insane. That is, yeah, that's absurd. 70% of the times it's a pass. That might be the craziest thing I've heard. Oh. So don't even blitz. Don't blitz. Now nah, <laughs> just one up my stat on that, Dante. My God, that was <laughs> crazier. Be, than... That was a compliment to your <laughs> stat. <laughs> it's gonna be super interesting. I I was tweeting at Danny Cannell. He did not respond. I I wonder why he wouldn't respond to my brilliance in my overserved self. But Danny <laughs> Cannell was out here talking about the air raid, tweeting. Could you imagine if the air raid? Uh, could you imagine if the air raid has been in the SEC for the past 10 years? I mean, it only took one game to shred a big, bad SEC defense apart. My biggest problem with this was LSU was not a big, bad defense. Yeah. Like, let's no. let's not play games here. I don't know if Danny Cannell has just stopped watching football um, or about the he overserved himself a little bit on Saturday or like I did myself, had a few too many crisp, delicious Bud Lights. Um, but that was absurd. I am super interested, though, to see how this holds up against a Bama, against a Georgia, like these traditionally big, actually good defenses who have good corners, who 
can rely on getting pressure without having to blitz and can drop back more guys to play against the pass game, um, that I will be super interested in. Because we have seen Pac-12 teams, yes, it's not the Mike Leach air raid offense, but teams that throw the ball more, teams that are faster, kind of play faster than your traditional SEC teams, go up against SEC teams and get the barn doors blown off them. And you saw Oklahoma, who also does an air raid offense, get the doors blown and off them as well. So That's another great point. Like, cool. you're going to have – because the SEC schools, they're going to be able to score on you because, like, Mike Leach's teams don't play defense. Um, that's just – they're um, – uh, they're loyal uh, – what was that loyal basketball team back in the day with uh, – what's his face? Uh, not Jerry West. Oh, my God. Why can't I think of his name? Whatever, where they just tried to score on you as fast as they could, as many times as they could, and they played no defense. Um, it's kind of like when Matt Mammoth was in the – or is that that team name? Was in the tournament that year. That's all they did was just try to outscore you. Yeah, it was just running gun offense. Yeah. Um, it's going to be super interesting. This week was – it was better, but some surprises. Georgia, Arkansas. Georgia did not look good offensively. Defensively, yeah. they looked good, but offensively – Oh boy, that's a stinker. Yeah, that game, that like I turned, I went back obviously because I was flipping, but like I couldn't even watch that game. <laughs> it was bad. that one didn't make it on the either of the TVs. <laughs> I couldn't watch that game either. It was, it, it seems like they had an overmatched quarterback in Dewan Mathis, who he's coming from Michigan, so I wanted to see him do well. Um, but he looks like there wasn't a quarterback. At, there wasn't really a quarterback competition at Georgia this year, which is wild because I was watching ESPN game day and they totally were alluding that Dewan Mathis was the guy that had won that quarterback position. Mm-hmm. So I texted you guys uh-huh. and it was like, oh, now JT Daniels is going to be gone again. And then I'm just tuning into the score updates on the Georgia game. I'm like, this clearly it's not Dewan Mathis. Maybe it really was JT Daniels this whole time. And then it announced that he's starting at Georgia now. I like JT Daniels. I, I'm a I'm a JT Daniels guy. I think I, that could be a big spark for Georgia, which will play I into some of my gambling here this week. This is also one of my gambling. It could be a very buy low um, option here in my gambling picks. That's funny that you guys say that because I think Auburn is playing some of the best football they could possibly be playing. <laughs> Very interesting. Very interesting. So I said it. I literally I, I said it on this podcast when we oh, at, with Auburn and they almost let it go because they almost early on they didn't look that great. But I was like, if Auburn begins to score on Kentucky and that swag comes out, it's going yeah. to be all over. And you could see them. Like as the game progresses, get better and better. And if they can keep that same momentum going into that game, I I do think Georgia will win, but I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn won. I think this is a good segue just to get into our cards. But I will say one thing: I do owe I owe Miami of Florida a half apology. I still don't think that offensive line is as good as it it's going to need to be for them to be good. And L- or Florida State sucks, and Louisville also sucks, so they haven't really beaten anybody. But yeah. man, do they hurt teams if you're not if you're not prepared to blitz and bring pressure, this team is going to hurt you. You have to blitz and bring pressure cuz King, as I've said, he is this team is way too good everywhere else besides the offensive line to not be doing that. This is a I'm not I'm not putting the Miami chain on there yet. Like I've been burned and hurt by them so many times and I want to be a Miami guy. 
So I'm not there yet. I think this is still another overhyped Miami team, but I do owe them a half half apology because they are they're hurting teams if they're not ready to bring some pressure. Did y'all speaking of Louisville? Uh, did you watch the Pittsburgh game? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I have another that Thursday. Was I tried to watch a little bit. Crazy game. Yeah. I had they were my push of the they pushed on me because I had Pittsburgh at three. I got the number at three. Thank God I got a three and not three and a half. That game ended. I I missed the initial like I looked up and the quarterback looked dead. Um and I was like, what the hell happened? Yeah. Um luckily I think he's fine. I didn't see anything crazy afterwards but yeah i think he's fine i think they uh, reports came out later that they were telling him not to move at all gotcha yeah and so sense. it looked really bad on tv i think it was a hip injury and yeah, they were yeah. just telling him not to move his body at all that would make sense with the way he fell it would be his hip because i was like what the hell happened here yeah. and tim texted me too and i was like uh yeah it looks bad i don't know too too much yet but yeah i remember that now it, it looked bad but it didn't look like that crazy of a hit either yeah. right like the play right. didn't look bad. The the after effect looked bad because he wasn't. Yeah. Which makes sense. Also, every time I feel like I don't know if it was you guys. Every time I feel like I turned that game on, there was a turnover. Like they, that ball yes. was just loose yeah. all over the place in the fourth quarter. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've seen the ball on the grass more times in my life than outside of golf. Like that was absurd. <laughs> um. All right. Let's get into the card because I'm Tim's actually got a card this week. We're gonna talk about the games. And I think we, we it's a natural segue. We'll start with the biggest game, the best game, the Deep South rivalry, Auburn, Georgia. Yes. Injected I into my veins. I know. I dude, I why don't you guys go first? I will I'm 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 gonna go last on this one because I, I was, I've gone back and forth a lot. <laughs> this one I do think it's a like I said earlier, like I alluded to, it's a opportunity to buy low on a very talented Georgia team who really did not have a quarterback at all, all game in their last game. And now they do with JT Daniels coming in. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he plays without being really cleared for practice or cleared for the game until now. Um, so he's never really been cleared. So maybe he wasn't practicing that much, but I got to imagine he was still getting a bunch of throws in and everything. Um, and I also think that, Kentucky lost that game, or Kentucky played bad in that Auburn game. Mm. Auburn, I don't, I'm not 100% sold on. I know Dante thinks that they're playing the best football I think that he's seeing right now. I'm not 100% sold on Auburn. Again, again, I never really am. Um, but I do think that Kentucky played worse in that game than we expected them to. And Auburn kind of played exactly how we expected them. And then Georgia just played atrocious with their quarterback. And I think there'll be a big bounce back game here. So the same caution that I had for Kentucky against Auburn is the same caution I'm going to have against Georgia with Auburn. If you let Auburn rip off two touchdowns back to back, you might you might be digging a hole bigger than uh, you have now. On the flip side of this, Georgia's defense is going to be a better opponent than Kentucky's defense, right? And so there's some passes that Auburn threw where their receivers were just snatching the ball away from Kentucky's corners and safeties. So um, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen 
in the Georgia game. Although they do, I didn't realize how big some of their receipt or that one receiver is for Auburn. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that's going to happen in a Georgia game. Uh, the other thing too, is I think that if, if Georgia makes Auburn play on the ground, then Georgia wins this game. But if Auburn is, is able to take a page out of Mike Leach's book <laughs> and throw the ball, no, watch out. That's true too. Yeah, I, Bo Nix did play better than I expected him to. Mm-hmm. Full, full credit there. I did not expect Bo Nix to play that well or as well as he did. Not necessarily that well, but as well as he did. So, regardless, still, I'm taking Georgia minus six and a half here. So yeah, the, I don't think I prefaced this. Georgia, the line six and a half. Georgia's the favorite. Under over is at where's the number right now? Forty four and a half. Forty four and a half. Yeah, yeah. Seth Williams, I that man just bodied Kentucky. I hate Kentucky football. I hate them with every fiber in my body. I thought one Terry Wilson was not as good as he needed to be. That fake punt return. I wanted to throw my TV out the goddamn window at that point. That was absurd. I've never seen something so stupid in my life. And then the absolute fumbles. I hate you, Kentucky. I, there's a reason I live in Cincinnati as opposed to northern Kentucky, and that is a reason that stands today. God, I fuck Kentucky on that one. Um, That was terrible. Um, But you are right. I mean, Dante hit it right on the head. If, if Auburn gets some momentum going, they are, they're a dangerous, dangerous team. Um, but because Seth, Seth Williams, that wide receiver, that is a big man to cover. And he is, he is a monster. The problem though, I'm not sold on Bo Nix yet. He historically has struggled and historically in his two years, it's not like he's some old wise vet here, (laughs) but Gus Malzahn has historically struggled, uh, against Kirby smart defenses. Um, and I do, I like JT Bear. Bar- uh, Daniels, Daniels, sorry, Barrett. Daniels. Barrett. I like JT, JT Daniels. Barrett. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong sport. Also like JT Barrett, but uh, or RJ Barrett. Oh, JT Barrett was the Ohio State quarterback. Quarterback. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Big clap. Um, but I do like JT Daniels. I liked him at USC. I do like their defense. I the the over under. I know they both have really good defenses, but that that feels a little low um but i'm gonna go georgia here i because if they win i think it will be by a touchdown um i would rather go georgia and be wrong on this and then know i'm good to bet auburn the rest of the year um then be wrong i will hate myself if i go against georgia and kirby smart and they absolutely kill auburn um who has struggled against them but i will i 100 agree don't let Bo Nix get confident because he no. does – or let him get confident because he does throw some dangerous balls. Yes. He just wings it <laughs> up there. <laughs> he, he throws a lot of 50-50 balls, which <laughs> I, don't, I, just don't, I don't know. Like, I have never been a quarterback, and I don't know what go, like what decisions you have to make. But for him to have that much trust or for him to be that foolish – <laughs> to throw those 50-50 balls like he threw so many that I was just like you're you're just throwing up there with a prayer. Now, I will say this, when he throws the 50-50 ball, it gets to the receiver and the uh corner right right to them cuz a lot of times you will throw 50-50 balls and someone has to stretch either way. But that's also not a good thing cuz sometimes you could be hitting the corner in their numbers and now you got an interception. 
I mean, Seth Williams is a great wide receiver to have because he is big and he can get up. Um, I had to look him up, uh, his size. He's 6'3", 212. So, like, yeah, that's he a big boy. Um, he's going to be taller than most people yeah. Guard, are yeah, guarding. I forgot about that. Uh, once he started getting going, I knew my Kentucky bet was in trouble. Um, I mean, he lost – I think I saw him moss two people in that yeah. game where he just – should have – Kentucky still should have covered, but that was trash. Yeah, I'm going Georgia. Um, on that though, I mean, I don't have a card, but obviously, I have said that I'm picking Auburn in this game. <laughs> All right, I'll give you, we'll give you the six and a half on Auburn. Um, let's switch up a little earlier in the day. Missouri, Tennessee. I did not watch Tennessee, the Tennessee game. Why? Why would you? Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> I don't know if I'm buying. This is not on my card, but I thought it was worth mentioning. As like a watch game. I would rather, I think, take Missouri laying the two, 12 and a half here. Um, this is not an official pick by me, but I thought it was worth bringing up. Because I think Tennessee's frauds. I always think they're frauds. I don't think this team is going to be very good. And Missouri showed some decent things once Alabama starters got out. Um, 12 and a half feels big for this Tennessee team, in my opinion. I wouldn't disagree with that. I don't have an official pick on this game either, though. All right, let's talk about one where I do have an official pick because I do. There's a game that I like a lot for an over here. TCU Texas. I already gave the pick because I said I like the over a lot. That was probably <laughs> yeah, real, real anticipation. Didn't uh, bury the lead geez. on that one. Yeah, let's. <laughs> uh, lines at eleven and a half. I don't like the line. I don't know where that game's going to be. I, Texas. Texas is another team, the biggest frauds in the planet. Um, Tom Herman is a joke. Um, but 63, that feels way doable with these two teams because the offense is going to get going for Texas. But Texas plays no defense. They play zero defense in the entire era of Tom Herman. Um, and TCU can score. Like Gary Peterson has shown us that he can score on Texas. I like the 63 here. The over seems – this seems like over heaven here. Am I crazy? <laughs> I don't hate that. No, I don't hate that. It wasn't on my official card. It wasn't on my official picks. I didn't have an official pick. You are le- making me lean towards the over of 62, though. I guess I don't really know how good TCU is. I know that they'll. I know that Texas is going to put up a bunch of points, but yeah, that's the thing. I've watched zero TCU football, but I know two things. Gary Patterson's offense usually can get rolling against Texas, and Texas's defense can't stop a nosebleed. Who Most. did TCU play? They played Iowa State. And they lost. Oh, yeah, they lost in a they lost like upset, right? Or 30. No, that wouldn't have been an upset. Iowa State was supposed to be good. Um, Is this the wild game? Brock Purdy was throwing it all over the place, like threw it to the other team, fumbled it in the backfield. Yep. Yeah, they won 37 34. Iowa yeah, this, so here's my two cents on this. Whatever happens in this Texas TCU game, we can't predict it on this podcast. <laughs> That's yeah, what yeah. I know. Whatever, this game I really don't care that much about. Yeah, it, and it's going to be – I mean, like the Texas-Texas Tech game was – I don't even know if that was football. That was like when my brothers and my friends on our block – met up with some kids on another block and started playing football. <laughs> exactly. That's what that game looked like. Like, pick up football. 
you're, you're making the argument for my over here. This is why I love my over. Like, it's literally just going to be up and down the field, just like absurdity. There's no defense being played here. No. There's no lockdown no. corner on Texas or TCU. Like, what are we talking about here? Watch there be some stud corner in Texas that I missed or something. Watch this game be 14, 15, 14 17. <laughs> I will lose my ever-loving mind. Uh, all right. Game it's of the week. Score. <laughs> yeah, game of the week before we give out our official cards, unless there was another game you really wanted to go in depth about. Alabama, Texas A&M.
I'm pretty excited for Big Ten football. I, did you all know that apparently Donald Trump uh, brought back Big Ten football? I mean, a little presidential debate. <laughs> he said it during the debate, so it must be true, right? That he single handedly <laughs> brought back Big Ten football. But it doesn't matter because it's 20 some odd days away. I don't know when this podcast is being released, uh, but 20 some odd days away, and I am excited. I'm excited. I can't, it cannot be football season without SEC football and Big Ten football. I'm sorry to the other conferences, but if those two conferences aren't playing, it's not football season. And I'm so excited too. I can't wait. I'm I'm excited to see this fresh Michigan State team. Um, and one of the tweets that I just scrolled through that I saw, it says um, they were talking to Michigan State starting center Matt Allen, and it says Allen said O line are stretching more before and after practice at the urging of strength staff, something to keep them on the field more. Like they weren't stretching last year. That's why they were getting hurt. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? No wonder they were all hurt. No wonder none of them could stay on so the field. I'm gonna douse your fire because that's what I do here is I break up the, <laughs> the the bat. It does look like Rocky is going to be Michigan State starter. Yep, I saw that as well. It said uh, I think they were talking to Xavier Henderson, mm-hmm. who was talking about how the ball was coming out quick from his hands. So. I don't know. I'm starting to warm up a little bit to Rocky, but that's also me getting a lot of false hope and just excited to see the Spartans play this year. I'm not going to lie. When he said that at the debate that he brought back in pig football, I said audibly, excuse me, sir, you apparently haven't heard of Sawyer 8. <laughs> oh, yeah, Sir Yacht. Yeah. Sir Yacht. Sir Yacht. Sir Yacht. Sir Yacht. liked my tweet that I uh, tweeted. He did. Uh, yeah, he liked uh, it. Like, Mr. Mr. President, you apparently not have not heard of Sir Yacht. <laughs> yeah. 